I couldn't find a pair of jeans with the knees cut out of them. So I've had to wear these ones. I'm Murray Bingham, that's my wife Barbara, and our grandson Jack. And Jack, oh, and Matt, and Matt and Danny. That's lovely. Well, we welcome you tonight. And uh, we're quite excited about this church because we've been welcomed in a very great manner. And uh, I believe you have enormous potential. And my prayer tonight is that there is an anointing, anointing that breaks the yoke and removes the burden and allows you to soar like the eagles. Uh, You have a foundation to explode. We are in the end time events and uh, it's very, very, very important that we uh, fire hot for Jesus. My background is, I'm an ex, I was a building contractor, I built houses and bridges and things during the day so I could build racing cars during the night (laughs) and I succumbed to cancer. Lost 24 years out of my life. God builds character through adversity. And the more adversity we go through, the greater strength that we develop as we come forward. What a wonderful God we serve. I've... uh, I'll be cut off without any... Arms, and I haven't got any my notes. If someone's knocked my notes off, <laughs> so we'll just have to go without them. <laughs> I was watching a chappy come down the stairs of the city hall. And I noticed that he was wearing his wedding ring on the wrong finger. Well, that was unusual. I said, pardon. I said, why are you wearing your wedding ring on the wrong finger? Oh, he said, that's simple. He said, I married the wrong woman. (laughs) Okay, so tonight we've been doing a week of... Every day with Jesus. And it's our daily time with our Lord Jesus that governs the rest of the day. And if we can continue to speak with the Lord during the day, just like we speak with each other, he's our father. And we just talk with him. We ask for his favour. We ask for divine appointments. And we chat. That's really what it's all about. He loves you. So our subject tonight is divine appointments. A divine appointment is when God brings two people together to do whatever it is he wants to do. Our preparation for that is the foundation that we build in the beginning 
of the day. It's the time we spend in the Word. And it's the time we spend on the Lord. Jesus was prayed up in the mountain. He prayed on his own so that when he was faced with the healing and his ministry, he was already prayed up, so all he had to do was just command whatever it was to take place and it took place. I believe that you can all do that. And that's exciting. So I could talk for hours on this, but we will use the Lord's Prayer, which I use generally as the basis of our preparation at the beginning of the day. So our Father who art in heaven, Lord Jesus who is in heaven, Holy Spirit who lives in us, hallowed be their names, holy, 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 glory, glory, glory. But Father God is the King of the kingdom. It says, may his kingdom be established on earth as it is in heaven. May his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if he's the king of the kingdom, then we're king's kids. And if we're king's kids, then we need to respond as king's kids. So we get whipped around a bit, we get, and that builds our character, but we also walk with the king. The next area that we come to is the bread, our daily bread. Generally, we think of our daily bread as our daily bread. But Jesus said, I am the bread. I'm the bread of life. And he says, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. That's pretty serious stuff. So that brings us to communion. Isaiah 53, 700 years before Christ was born, prophesied that he paid the price on the cross for our sickness and disease, our infirmities, our iniquities, our transgressions, that by his wounds, by his stripes, we would be healed. We were healed, sorry. Healed, total price paid for. Now, as we go into the different areas of this, the grace of God is already done. The price was paid 2,000 years ago. We don't have to conjure anything up. That's the grace of God. How do we access it? We access it by faith. We are saved by grace through faith. Now, some preach a grace message, others preach a faith message, but we can't get anywhere with faith alone or grace alone. We have to have faith mixed with grace. I picture it's so... God has a storehouse with arms and legs and hearts and eyes and the ability to transfer all the diseases. And they're like their parcels, already packed up. That's his grace. They're already done. We don't have to get them. We can't, organ- we can't, we can't 
do anything about it. It's there. Our job is to access it. We can only access it through faith. And if we look at Mark 11, 23, 24, 25, 23 says that if we pray, we can shift the mountain, whether it be cancer or whether it's a broken leg or whatever it might be. If we believe in our heart, that which we've asked for, we already have. See, faith is things not seen and things hoped for. Because things that we understand, things that we see doesn't require faith. Faith requires that which was unseen and hoped for. So there are conditions, and I believe it's the conditions that keep us out of the miracles. So the first thing is we have to believe we already have it. The second thing is it says without doubt. So doubt keeps us out. The fact that we believe we, we have a doubt that we haven't received that which we've asked for and then in verse 25 it says we have to be able to stand in total forgiveness. And if we hold a grudge against anybody we need to get deal with it so that if we are totally free of forgiveness we have absolutely no doubt we can believe in our heart that we've got what we've asked for we have a miracle we can then access whatever it is that's already on the shelf, packed up, parcel, ready to take. Because that's already there, we can't change that. Now it's interesting that Isaiah 53 verse 4 and 5 is fulfilled in Matthew 8.17 by his stripes, by his wounds we were healed to fulfil Isaiah 53. Isn't that interesting? 700 years before, now we have a fulfilment. As we read the Gospels, they are all about fulfilling the Old Testament. We need both. We need to understand the Old Testament so that we can see the miracles in the New Testament and the fulfilment of all the prophecies. And he shed his blood. On the night... that he was betrayed he said this is my body as he broke bread broken for us eat this in remembrance so we, we take this in remembrance of what's already done and then after supper he took the cup at another time and he said drink this for this is a new covenant cut in my blood for the remission of sin already done it's already parceled how do we access it we have to repent John the Baptist only had one message repent for the kingdom of God is at hand Jesus first message was to repent we can't get saved without repentance the deal's already there Jesus paid the price for everybody he says not his will that nobody perish but have a lasting life so grace won't get us there because grace is already done 
we can only access God's grace through faith. Then we move into the forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. See, there's a condition on it. As we forgive those against us. Well, Matthew 6, 15 is the Lord's Prayer. That's verse 12. If we go to verse 14 and 15, God says that if you get that right, and we usually leave that bit out, and verse 15 says, if we can't forgive our brother, he can't forgive us. Another reason why we don't get and we don't access the miracles and the divine power that's available to us. And then we talk about keeping us from the evil one. Well, how do we do that? We do that through the armour of God. Ephesians 6, 10, 18 says that we're not fighting flesh and blood, we're fighting principalities and powers and heavenly places, rulers and authorities on this dark world in high places. So he says that the prince of this world that we live in is Satan. And that's why the world has so much trouble today. Because that's all he wants. He wants just to mess up. It's he came to kill, steal and destroy. So God's given us an armour. So we need to put the armour on and reaffirm it every day. Because we are in... Satan's kingdom, but when we get saved, we're no longer of the world, we're of the kingdom. But we've got to live in the world. But if we're going to live in the world, then we've got to be covered by the grace of God and his armour. So we put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, we walk in the shoes of the gospel of peace, we take up the shield of faith, quench the fiery darts of the evil one, we put on the helmet of salvation take up the two-edged sword of the spirit. And it's interesting that this is the only thing that gives us a chance to attack. All the others are defence. And each of these areas, of course, we could talk about for now. So we're just covering a quick overview. And then we come to the authority of God. Well, Matthew 8 28.18 says, All authority in heaven and on earth and below the earth belongs to Christ. That authority he gave to his disciples to make baptised nations in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit and to make disciples, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demonic spirits, etc., etc. Jesus said, Even greater things you'll do than I did when I was here. How do we do that? We do that by accessing the kingdom by faith, without doubt. That we believe what we've asked for, we have, and we stand without any anxiety, frustration or unforgiveness towards anybody or anything. So now we have the authority Jesus gave that authority to the disciples. That authority is forwarded to you. All you have that same authority that the disciples had if you access it 
effectively by faith. It's not some for more for some and less for some. It's available to all of us. That's the exciting bit. So then when we've gone through all of that, we then decree and declare his favour, which we see every day, his blessing, which we see every day, and the divine appointments, which we don't see every day, but we see quite regularly. We decree and declare his favour over our safety, over our health, over our family. You guys, we pray for you every day. Over every seed we've sown, over Israel and the peace of Jerusalem, over his church, which includes you. You are part of his church. When we've done all that, and that's the short story, we're then able to go out on the road. Now, we've been on the road for the last 12 years. I don't know whether you've got a photo there, but we originally had, we started in a motorhome, six-ton motorhome. Uh, anyway, that's a portion of it. Uh, we carried a motorbike. Barbara rode with me on a bike until she was 74. She said, when we get old, we'll get a car. She's 82 now. And we towed a car. And then, oh, there she is on the bike. And then we decided that we need to have a little bit more comfort and we've moved from that. All of what I'm going to talk about to you tonight actually happened in the motorhome and, and with the motorbike area. Uh, then we moved into a fifth wheeler. Uh, and... Uh, that's nine ton all up, and uh, it's very comfortable. So we, we don't do it real hard today, but we're still on the road, and the road to where Christ was. He taught in the synagogue, but the, all the parables, all of the messages, they're all out on the road. Okay, so now we're ready to go. So we left... Uh, uh, Coffs Harbour and uh, two of my great friends surrendered their life to Jesus in our home one was Tony Tony was an earth moving contractor and he had a a workshop and a house at Hillgrove that's near Armadale he said we could stay there for a while So on our way to Hillgrove, we're just about 20 minutes away from our destination. We're coming past Ebor Falls and I get this compulsion to go in Ebor Falls. I said, I don't want to go there. I've been there before. We get to Ebor Falls, turn off, I turn into Ebor Falls. When everybody left, there was one vehicle left. We had a barbecue and we ministered over the barbecue. It was a very difficult because June couldn't hear anything down low and her partner couldn't hear anything up high including an alarm. You were sitting on top of one, it was going off, didn't even know it was happening. In the morning we walked down towards the lookout and I nudged up to June's shoulder, gave her a bit of a bump and 
I said, have you thought any more about what I shared with you last night? She said, I couldn't get it out of my mind. I thought, that's encouraging. We'd prayed for a divine appointment. We'd gone through the foundation. So she allowed us to lay hands on her and command that deafness to go in at the lookout. We walked 600 feet around to the falls. Ebor Falls is not a big falls. It's, it's relatively quiet falls and it's fairly close. She's got her arms on the railing like this. She's there for a while and then she turns with the most beautiful smile. She looks at me and she said, I can hear the water falling over the falls. Her partner says, no, you can't. <laughs> we had a very interesting next couple of hours in the motorhome, which we won't go into. Very successful, but uh, very, very interesting. As we pull into the workshop at Hillgrove, I'm ministering to the guys in front of the workshop and Cody, a huge man, comes in on a quad with pumpkins and marrows and all vegetables on the back. And he hears what I'm saying as he pulls up right in front of the workshop and he says, I'd like to do that. Cody gave his heart to Jesus in a very powerful way before he got off the quad. That's a divine appointment. You see, if we're prayed up when we're ready, God just brings things to pass. I'll explain a little bit more of that later. But we we were then in the back of the Gregory Hotel in Winton, in Queensland. And a chap, he's sitting by himself on a big round table and I was prompted, Holy Spirit said, go over and talk to him. We invited uh, Peter, was his name, uh, into our motorhome. That's the first one that was up there. Uh, and after a couple of hours of coffee and ministry, Peter surrendered his heart to Jesus in the most powerful way. Very unusual because Peter kept in touch with us daily sort of from then on. Most people, uh, they make a commitment and then they're pretty sort of blase about it. Uh, They don't follow through. I'll explain that later. Now, we were having lunch in... Clon Curry, uh, and after lunch, mid-afternoon, we're going through to Mount Isa. As we're going past a free park, there's one between Clon Curry and Mount Isa, we have no intention of stopping whatever, and we're cruising past at 100 k's an hour in a six-ton motorhome, and Barbara says, Peter's in, that, in, the, in the park. So I stand on the brakes and I just managed to be able to pull in behind Peter. And that wasn't the reason we were there. It was good that we were and we were able to. But a lady walks out of a coaster bus 50 metres away and walks straight to me. It's four o'clock in the afternoon and it's hot. I pull the awning out and I'm in the process of tightening up the back arm And this lady doesn't stop. She keeps coming and I think she's going to go right through me. 
and there's an arm goes, I'm ham-tied with this thing, aren't I? There's an arm goes up like that, and then there's the top arm that goes up like that, and she comes over the top of this arm and puts a face right in my face. I've still got my arm up here. <laughs> and she says, I never do the talk and I never do the walking. My husband does the talking and the walking. I said, pardon? <laughs> and she repeated it. And I said, if you've never done what you've just done, I believe we have a divine appointment. She thought for a while. She said, what's a divine appointment? I said, that's when God brings two people together to do whatever he wants to do. She thought a little and she thought, well, I guess we have. She had no idea why she was there. It just all happened. When you realise that we were going past at 100 k's an hour and we pull in behind a guy that we led to the Lord last week and a lady walks out of a coaster bus at precisely the time I pull the awning out and she's in my face, that's a lot of timing, isn't it? When, you're walking, when you think of God has to bring that timing, we could have left Cloncurry a bit earlier or a bit later or all the things that could have happened, a thousand things could have changed that. I said, so where are you headed? She said, oh, she's got to get to Darwin to get my hearing aids. She said, I can't hear without them. And there was a story about that. Now I know why she's in my face. She's deaf. <laughs> so I said, have you got any church affiliation? She said, never been to church. Well, that was good and bad. It was bad in the fact that she didn't have any understanding of the scripture. It was good in the basis that she had no tunnel vision of various denominations. And she was very easy to preach to, not only because she had no tunnel vision, but because God had organised the meeting. So we were able to very carefully talk about what God had to say in his word. And then the Holy Spirit said, share the lady that, you hit, that was deaf at Ebor Falls. So now I was able to go into more detail about Ebor Falls. Then I looked at her and I said, her name was Bev. I said, Bev, I said, that can happen to you right now if you want it. She looked at me with her eyes wide open and she said, I want it. She allowed us to lay hands on her. By this time I had faith in Peter because, very, as I said, very unusual. He had kept in touch with us daily. He's brand new. He doesn't know it doesn't work. <laughs> I'd say they have brand new Christians pray with me any day that's serious than an old deacon or, a, or, or somebody, you know what I mean, that knows that it doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> so we commanded that deafness to go in Jesus' name. It's got nothing to do with me. It's just a case of me being there. God's organised the deal and it's in his name that the power and the authority takes place. Short story of time. So I stand back and I said, can you hear me now, Bev? She says, yeah. I said, can you hear me now? She says, yeah. I said, can you hear me now? She said, yes, but you're very quiet. (laughs) 
I walked back to her and I said, there's something greater than what you just received. She said, what's that? I said, that's salvation. She said, how's that work? Well, once again, we had to be very careful with the scriptures. So we went through the Roman road and et cetera, et cetera, and we went through Romans 3.23, says, for all of... <coughs> Fallen short of the Lord, he who calls God, he said he had, sorry, we, we all fall short of, of sin and he who said he hasn't sinned calls God a liar. You've got Romans 5 and 8 and then you've got Romans 6.33 says for the And sin brings death. But the gift of God brings life. Then we go to Romans 10, 9 and 10. And if we heard this morning is that if we can believe in our heart that Jesus Christ was crucified and that Father God raised him from the dead, it's interesting that he was God he became a man through a virgin without a father, without an earthly father. He has an earthly, no earthly father, but his father is in heaven. His blood was bloodline with God the Father. So when he sacrificed, his blood was the blood of God. That's why we have the authority and that's why that's the one and only last sacrifice. And he says to drink my blood until I return. As often as you will. The disciples break bread from house to house daily. We have communion every day in the mix of that foundation. That's where the authority and the power is. Take the cross out and you've got no authority in the scriptures. And then the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, ask her if she got a fight going on in her gut. Because if she has, she's ready, and if she hasn't, she's not. Now, that's very important because it's not good to lead someone to the Lord that's not ready. Actually, it can leave them in a worse position than they were before. I said, have you got a fight going on in your belly? She said, I sure have. I said, well, you're ready. And she gave her heart to Jesus. She prayed with me. We prayed that she renounced the sin in her life. She opened the door of her heart. It was like Revelation 3.15. Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Luke Lorm, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. I want you to hang on to that. So she surrendered her heart to Jesus. She made Jesus the boss, the captain of her life. She surrendered all that she understood and all that she didn't understand. Now, Peter, the ex-forensic policeman, had his first discipleship program. Bev had got healed of deafness, got saved into eternity, 
And would you believe all that happened, I hadn't even gone up to the other end to tighten the other end of the awning up. <laughs> and it all happened within 20 minutes of putting the brakes on out the front. That's a divine appointment. And, I, and that's how God works. If we're prayed up ready, all we have to do is command. My life was changed in a cafe in 1972. I spent the first 37 years of my life, never saw a miracle, never saw the deity of Christ. I was read in the church. My father was a soloist, mum was an organist. We're in the original Methodist movement, which became uniting, and they couldn't even unite three churches together. <laughs> you see, there's only one God, there's only one salvation, there's only one plan. So we went searching. But it's interesting that my life was changed in a cafe through a businessman. And it was over Revelation 3.20. Uh, it was a much more complicated issue than this, but it boiled down to that was the verse. And I'm sitting in the cafe after three, three hours of ministry, everybody coming and going that I knew. I feel like climbing under the table. And they're in the cafe, and, and I get hit with this Revelation 3.20, and I thought, yeah, I know that verse. Well, everybody should know that verse. And I verbally said, yeah, that's to the world. We use that for recruiting, sort of. And for the first time in my life, I heard a, a something, a voice, a something in my spirit said, uh-uh, I'm not talking to the world. I'm talking to you, a churchy, to me. It's in red, Jesus speaking. I went, wow. You see, we come back to that verse 15 in Laodicea Church, the last church. That's the church we're living in. And Jesus said in verse 15, he said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. He's talking to the church. It's in red. Jesus talking. Luke, warm, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. Well, I knew I wasn't hot. And that troubled me. Now, it's interesting that in verse 19... It says, I chastise those that I love, but if you come to me with zeal and repent, that repent comes back again, can't get away from repentance. Then he says, if you get that right, he said, I'm knocking on the door. And if you open the door and hear my voice, that's the bit I was missing before, and invite me in, he said, I'll come in and sup with you and you with me. That was followed by a 20-second prayer that changed my life and showed me the first miracle, power and authority of our Lord Jesus Christ over the following five days. I've never been the same since. 
It changed the way we spoke to our children. It changed everything. So 12 years ago, we went on the road. In the meantime, we, we, we pastored three troubled churches, one locked up, one totally split, and one in trouble. But we found in the church you've got people to look after people. There's 450,000 caravans on the road. There's 60,000 motorhomes. That's a big church. So on the road, on the side, on free parks and in the caravan parks and whatever, there's always somebody that needs the Lord and needs healing. In 1996, I was in a wheelchair, semi-paralysed up this side. I had prostate cancer and a tumour on the spine, which was the course of the uh, wheelchair. I was to be operated on by Patterson for the prostate and Bukalil for the tumour, the spinal operation. And I'm reading James 5, 14, and it says, Call for the elders to come and lay hands on the sick, anoint them with oil, and they shall recover, and their sins will be forgiven. I invited the Bible College principal, Jack's father, who was a worship leader at Hamilton at the time. No, we were at... uh, think CCC. Doesn't really matter. And a lady that was gifted in healing to come to hospital and anoint me with oil and lay hands on me. My prostate hadn't functioned for 40 odd years. I spent 24 years, 30 times a day in the toilet, 12 hours a day, skin and bone, just eight stone and a bit. And would you believe that three days after they prayed for me in hospital, my prostate was totally healed and I cancelled the operation. The following week we gave him back the wheelchair and cancelled the spinal operation. And I walked out of the hospital. That's 20 years ago. I never had any of the trouble since. Now, if you look at Bev, the lady that was healed of deafness and got saved between Cloncurry and Mount Isa, we were coming down through Ebor, not Ebor, Yapoon, Emu Park. She knows more about this than I do. And lived through it all. What a great partner. What a great support. Bev lived in Emu Park and we were able to catch up with her. Seven years later, I've picked this one simply because in seven years later we can see that she still has a hear, hearing. Still healed. She's excited to see us. And you could just talk normally to her. Now that's the God we serve. 